welcome to VLGA Connect, a very special episode where I'm joined by Deputy Commissioner from IBAC, David Wolf. David, great to see you again. Terrific. Thanks, Chris, and hello, everyone. We wanted to speak with you about the recently released report into the, the handling of information and the disclosure of information that's held by local government. Firstly, some context. This is the third in a series of reports, so you've built, a, 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 I guess, a body of evidence now across the public sector in relation to this issue. Yeah, that's correct. So you're right. This is the uh, third report. It's specific to local government. Our previous reports relate to the broader public sector and our role in uh, managing and oversighting police uh, misconduct and corrupt corruption activities. So a, a broad body of work that we've pieced together. There are some nuances for local government, so that's why it has its own report. Uh, and the key difference, I think, for this sector is the elected representative uh, element and the administration element. And they're quite separate in terms of the rules, the legislation, and some of the, the risks that we've, um, we've identified in this report. Before we hone in on the local government aspect, what was the trigger for doing this body of work, David? Did it come out of a particular identified need of some sort? So uh, the underlying issue for this is that the unauthorised access or the disclosure of information underpins nearly all of our corruption investigations. It's either the precursor to or the actual activity of the corrupt conduct. So it's a consistent theme across all of our um, sectors that we oversight. And as I said, it, it, it often is, um, if, it, if it's allowed to uh, occur and goes on undetected or either uh, not addressed in the organisation, it is that leading to more, more severe and, and serious corrupt conduct over time. So um, it's a consistent theme, consistent issue, and something that we found it was, it was really important that we did this piece of work and identify the issues. So the report itself, David, I've got to say, it's a great read. It's an easy read. Uh, yeah. You open it up, I think it's about 30 pages, and you think, oh, gosh, I might be sitting here for a while. But it actually reads and flows really well, and it's quite fascinating. There's some case studies that really make you stop and think as well. I thought perhaps I'd take you through some of the key findings, perhaps, and we could unpack those a little bit, if that's okay. So the, the first finding really is that the misuse of information is underreported. What sits behind that, do you think? Yeah, so Chris, that's one of the consistent themes across all the sectors that we oversight. Um, and what we found is that um, our reporting to IBAC in particular, and also to the local government inspectorate, is quite low in terms of information misuse. Um, where we do get those reports, obviously it relates to quite serious matters, but we understand now our intelligence tells us that it's, it's far more widespread. And that means it's either being addressed and then not being reported to allow uh, the intelligence holdings to, you know, to be populated and inform the reasons behind that, or it's not being addressed and not being reported properly. And we think it's more the latter. So that probably ties in with this next one, which is finding that the majority of allegations about misuse of information are made against councillors rather than employees, but we can't draw conclusions that the only leaking of information happens at the elected level, can we? Yeah, that, that's true. That is so true. Um, I think it's really important right, to, to specify you know, the two elements of local government. Um, we talked before about the administration and their role and particularly the, the role in collecting and collating a, a large body of information about the municipality and the residents in the municipality. Um, that's really important information. And there are some risks in holding that. And, and of course, um, you know, one of the key risks is that it, that it is released without authorisation by mistake. So what we talk about there is the responsibility of the organisations to make sure they've got the right systems and processes in place to ensure the, the, the opportunity for that is minimised 
and that if it is, uh, it does occur, then there's a system in place to detect it and do something about it pretty quickly. What we also find with the administration is that sometimes uh, information can be released out of mischief, and that's often if there's a conflict between the administration and the elected representatives. There might be a release to try and either uh, embarrass the elected officials or almost to you know, put a, a, a person's individual perspective or opinion out there in contrast to the elected officials. So that's one of the other areas that we sort of focus mm -hmm. on as well. Um, but I guess the, the high-end issues are the corruption issues. So where information is released uh, out of um, uh, opportunity to cause harm or detriment to a person or to obtain a personal benefit. So there's uh, malfeasance, there's either malice or malfeasance in terms of the release of that information. Yeah. And that can come at a number of different levels within the organisation. And our, the examples we've seen is that it relates to generally um, issues around procurement, contracting, you know, financial elements of the of, of the council business. Um, but we have seen examples where um, uh, organised criminal gangs have sought information uh, relating to um, the municipality and have mm. tried to get that information through administration offices at the lowest levels. Mm. So there is a risk at that level. Mm. Councillors um, are slightly different, slightly nuanced again. Um, there's a risk in terms of release of information for a more politically motivated reason, and that might be to harm an opponent or to, um, uh, to damage a position the council's taking that might be uh, uh, you know, opposing to the position of their particular councillor. Um, we've also seen releases of information um, that is that it's deemed confidential, but it's been released and the council believes they're doing the right thing. They might have stood on a platform of transparency. Uh, they believe the community has a right to know. Um, but the, the legislation is pretty clear. The, the legislators have said in certain circumstances, it's not okay to release it and it's an offence to do so. Hmm. So um, the noble cause uh, excuse doesn't cut it when we're talking about you know, that sort of private and confidential information. David, I just want to take you back to a comment you made, not to go too far yeah. off on tangents, but the issue of uh, material being released for political purposes, not so much by councillors, but by administration, yes. for example, because of a disagreement in philosophy, etc. That points to some other issues, doesn't it? That points to a, a broader cultural issue about the relationships that are clearly not working in that particular organisation, doesn't it? Yeah, indeed. I mean, the timing of this report is terrific in terms of uh, a new council. New council has been elected across Victoria. It's an opportunity to reset the way the council is going to operate. They'll set their ground rules. They'll, they'll get together. They'll work on their codes of contact and conduct their behavioural issues, uh, set their strategic directions. But it's also a really good opportunity to work with the administration and for the administration to work with a new council. So um, we see... Uh, where the relationships are fractured between the two elements of local government, then a whole uh, host of um, triggers uh, you know, are then evident. And they are, um, you know, the transfer of information between the two levels is uh, not appropriate. There's, um, there's uh, distrust, there's um, conflict, and that all, all goes to the detriment of the actual community they're there to serve. So you're right, where information is being released by administration to... Um, you know, to harm or embarrass the, the elected council, but that's a real indicator of, of deeper issues across the council itself. There's uh, some comments made about material that gets disclosed to media outlets uh, without authorisation. That must be a really difficult one 
to follow through because I, uh, you know, I'm assuming media uh, aren't going to identify their sources. What sort of findings or observations can you make about that? Yeah, unfortunately, again, that's another symptom of a very fractured council. It generally uh, relates to the elected class. And when uh, there is either a decision or a discussion or a, a complex matter where you've got two factions within the council and one, one faction is not comfortable with it or not happy with it, they tend to, um, and, and many examples of it being released to media, uh, shortly thereafter, the discussions had or even the decisions been made. And in fact, one example I can remember, it was uh, uh, within minutes of the council meeting concluding and the story was then published the following day in the major metropolitan newspapers to the embarrassment of the council and to the people involved in the actual issue. Um, and if I just touch on that, I mean, trusting government and public institutions at the moment is, is challenged for a number of reasons. And, and I think it's so important that that local government are and, and, and do lead in this space um, because they have the opportunity to do that and really lead from a community perspective. So um, having the administration and the councillors uh, you know, treat information properly, uh, not divulge that information inappropriately to earn and, and uh, continue to have the respect of their local community is more important than it's ever been from my perspective. Um, so I think, again, this report is really timely to give those little reminders about what's expected and what the consequences are. You also make some observations about the, the prevalence now of personal devices, smartphones, et cetera, that must make it so easy to uh, lose control of your information. So you look at two key emerging risks at the moment, and one's been the development of technology and the use of technology, which is highly appropriate, of course, because it allows the business to be conducted in real time and, and reflective of the broader community. That comes with risks and challenges, of course. The, the transmission and the dissemination of information is done so easily and often without uh, uh, identification. So there's clearly some challenges around that. Mm -hmm. uh, and let, let's not forget, um, in, in metropolitan Melbourne in particular, uh, we went in March almost overnight from a nine to five Monday to Friday workforce to everyone working remote. So uh, you couple that out with the use of devices and you've got risks of the transmission of information from the workplace to the employee, amongst employees to supervisors and back to the workplace. Um, the tracking and the processes and the systems that needed to be in place to ensure that that was done appropriately um, probably took some time for a lot of organisations to catch up to, but it's so important that that's in place because I think that working environment is going to stay much the same for a long time. I think we'll acknowledge it's probably not ever going to return back to what it was because we've shown we can work efficiently that way. So you've got technology and change working conditions. Organisations have to be really conscious about having the right uh, systems, processes, or, uh, audit regimes in place to protect information transmission. And I think I'm right in saying there's a separate report from a few months ago that addressed that particular issue of protecting yeah. information and processes in, you know, the remote environment, which everyone's um, uh, yeah. obviously dealing with at the moment. David, we've just been through a changeover of councils, 76 of them, in fact, around the state. Any particular issues to be aware of in terms of that changeover of councillors, you think? So I think it's absolutely important to recognise that councillors in their role are privy to an enormous amount of information. Um, and that might be by way of uh, communications within the council, uh, might be able to electronic communications or access to council systems. So I think it's important that there is an audit done and a reminder to all councils that an audit is done to make sure that any outgoing councillors uh, have their access to the system uh, deactivated 
and that any material they have in their possession, like files, uh, you know, uh, thumb drives, hard drives, anything like that that might have confidential council information is recovered by the council. It's absolutely important that that's done. And we've seen examples where, one in particular where a former councillor retained his access to the system for over 12 months after going out of office. And we know that that person was accessing information about current council matters. Um, secondly, we've got another example where a council um, retained information about a rating strategy and actually used that to help assist his own business interests uh, mm -hmm. long after he was out of office. So it's important that councils are aware of it and they do that audit uh, following a council term, which obviously is quite timely in the conversation we're having now. David, um, perhaps one last question. There's some key findings in this report. There's some conclusions. You stopped short of making hard and fast recommendations here. Is there a reason for that? Or if I was to put you on the spot and say, what do you think should happen? What yeah. would you say? Yeah. So um, firstly, uh, the measure of a healthy organisation is where a report like this is really not needed. Uh, and, um, you know, everybody's respect, respectful and handles information properly. Um, but what I would say that where, where you have issues of this occurring, there's some pretty strong legislation under the Local Government Act that deals with uh, how information is used. And, and for councils in particular, uh, to misuse their position by virtue of information for personal benefit uh, or detriment to another, there's a very serious offence under the Act for that. It comes with a potential imprisonment and a $100,000 fine. Hmm. Sitting below that, there's a lesser offence which applies to councillors and council administration, so officers of the council. that applies across the board. Uh, again, uh, a transgression against that offence comes with a uh, almost a $20,000 fine. So the legislators take it very, very seriously. Um, and I think that's important that people know there are consequences for it. But we go back um, before that. Like, as I said, a, a good... Uh, performing a high-performing organisation or have already mitigated for this and not need to have investigations and potential prosecutions. And it's about having the ground rules, having the policies, the procedures in place, making sure that staff are inducted and well-educated through all those policies and processes so they understand what they can and can't do and know the consequences. It's making sure that supervisors are monitoring what's occurring in the council and if there is a transgression, albeit minor, that it's dealt with, because what we often see is, you know, little things are let go and they then, then escalate over time. And it's also about um, um, peers monitoring um, uh, what, what their um, workmates are up to and having the capacity and confidence to report it if they see something that's not right. It's a little bit more difficult in the remote working environment, so I understand mm -hmm. that, but often we've seen that people have been aware that there's been transgressions and just haven't done anything about it. And I think that the last two points are, and I think this is really important for councils, is um, that the tone from the top, so how the executive and the elected councils conduct themselves sets the tone for the entire organisation. So how they talk about issues and information in either public or social environments is very important because the staff will take the lead. And, and the last point I make is around um, uh, setting the organisation up with uh, that proper governance regime have the right investment in your systems, your auditing to either um, uh, make sure that your systems prevent unauthorised access, but if there is, making sure that the red flags are, are visible and there's uh, an opportunity to do something about it at the earliest opportunity. To that last point, David, could I suggest that it would be desirable, advisable even, that every council's audit and risk committee see a copy of this report and have a conversation about how their particular council is geared to being 
uh, mindful of and monitor these types of issues? Yeah, look, absolutely. If, if, um, I, I think that's a great uh, suggestion and uh, I would hope that most CEOs would have seen it or would have heard about it, but this might also trigger um, the audit risk committees to have an involvement. And I think it's a great, a really, really good uh, concept. Thank you, David. Really enjoyed unpacking that with you. It is a good read. Do recommend it. Uh, all the best to you. Look, you've been on VLGA Connect a few times this year. Can I thank you for uh, making your time available so readily and wish you all the best for the uh, coming Christmas New Year period? Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate the time, the opportunity to have these discussions. I think it's really helpful and useful for this effort. So appreciate the time.